are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday, October 5th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. The Miami Dolphins are 1-3, and and today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner, of the NFL. Miami Dolphins 1-3. and three. And uh, the game plan that the Dolphins adopted, I thought was a good one. Uh, it, it implemented a lot of the same things that we talked about on the show of forcing their secondary players to be the ones to beat you. David Moore beat us. David Moore's the guy who caught the 57-yard toss up the left sideline right before the hell half allowing Seattle to go 75 yards in 21 seconds and score a touchdown to blow open a 10-9 game to 17-9 at halftime. David Moore's the one who caught the touchdown when the score was 17-15, and Miami is doing their absolute best to scratch claw, force a kick, so that that way you're in a touchdown and win scenario. Obviously, it didn't happen that way. You tip your cap to Seattle. Russell Wilson played a hell of a game. You knew he was going to. Uh, frustrating loss nonetheless. Uh, I, I think there's plenty of blame to go around, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today on the show. We're going to look at who's who could have thing, done things differently uh, because I think that's an important perspective for us to take here with this loss. Uh, nobody should be surprised that Seattle came into Miami and won. Uh, Seattle with Russell Wilson, more talented football team, we're going to talk about strength of schedule today uh, because I do think strength of schedule is very relevant for the Dolphins uh, based on the first four weeks of the season. But I don't want... Obviously, when the Buffalo Bills loss happened, that was a game I felt the Dolphins could have and should have won that football game. I was more frustrated with the Bills loss uh, because you knew it was kind of a tipping point for where this season was going to go for the Dolphins. If we're being honest now with where this football team is at 1-3, they're a lot better of a football team than they were last year. We'll continue to say that until the Cows come home because it continues to be true. The Dolphins are negative three in point differential. That is a huge win versus what they were last year, which was abysmally bad through the first four games of the season. Do we need to go through the scores? Do we need to go through the first downs? Do we need to go through the offensive yardage production? The turnover differential? Dolphins are head and shoulders a better team, and ironically enough, through this point versus last year, they're better in the win column too. That's the perspective that we have to take. If your perspective was, Miami's going to win 11 games this year, they're going to go to the playoffs, you're going to win a playoff game in year two, we got to, oh my God, everything's fixed, all our problems are over. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to talk you off the cliff. And there were a lot of people like that on social last night. Oh, fire Brian Flores. No. Get out of here. 
miss me with all that irrational BS. Chris Greer's got to go. He drafted Igbenogany in the first round. No. And here's the thing about Noah. Like, I'm not going to make excuses for Noah's play. I'm not going to make excuses for the Dolphins at all. You are what your record says you were. You're one in three. You're a young team that doesn't know how to win yet. That's who the Miami Dolphins are as a team right now. But Noah Igbenogany playing in a role for the Dolphins so prominent early on as a defender who only played two years of defense at college at Auburn. And you can't say, well, then the Dolphins shouldn't have drafted him in the first round. The Dolphins didn't draft him in the first round to be the number two corner. Byron Jones is hurt. It'd be different if they just drafted him and didn't sign Byron Jones when very clearly the plan was we're going to have physical guys outside in press and Noah's going to play the nickel. Well, Noah can't play the nickel because your other alternatives are Jamal Perry and Nick Needham. And Nick Needham got another flag down here in the red zone because he panics. So, like, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm not thrilled with Noah's play to this point either, but a little bit of patience and a little bit of perspective that the Dolphins aren't drafting players in year two of a rebuild that are, they're going to help us win in 2020 or we're not going to consider them. Why? This was always a multi-year deal. You don't tear a team down to the, to the studs and the foundation the way the Dolphins did last year and expect you're going to bounce back in year two and win and be a playoff contender. And then you add in everything that happened with the coronavirus. It's understandable for the Dolphins to be where they are. And where they are, regardless of all the, the issues and hurdles, exponentially further ahead than what they were last year. I tease strength of schedule. Let's get into strength of schedule. You know how many teams in the NFL have played a tougher first four games than the Miami Dolphins? According to Pro Football Reference 2, the New England Patriots, who play tonight, and presumably without Cam Newton will fall to 2-2, two and two. and the Las Vegas Raiders, who are also 2-2. Two and two. Pro Football Reference looks at all the dynamics, the offensive production, the defensive production, the efficiency, the advanced statistics, and it gives you an expected wins and loss for the games that are being played. The Dolphins' caliber of play on the field, not the end result, but their expected wins and losses through four games, according to Pro Football Reference, is 2-2. Two and two. Would you like to see a team figure out how to win one of these close games at home against Buffalo and Seattle? Yes. That's the next step for this team. But here's the, the silver lining, and I hate consolation prizes, guys. I do, but context is important. Russell Wilson and Josh Allen are probably two of the top three MVP candidates through the first four games of the season, and both have led their teams to 4-0 records. <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? You get both these guys in a kill shot scenario. Josh Allen, it's 24-20, it's third and nine at midfield, and the dude goes over the top for a 50-yard touchdown to put him up 11 with two minutes left. 
in Seattle. Their headset goes out. Miami kicks their fifth freaking field goal of the game, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Miami kicks their fifth field goal of the game to move the score to 17-15. Seattle's headset goes out. No communication from the coaching staff to Russell Wilson. Russ starts calling the plays on his own. We take that darn deep cross. The book on the Dolphins is clear. Run the deep cross. They can't cover it. And right now we can't. I don't have any answers for how to fix it at this point. Linebackers got to be more aware. Maybe we start running inside shade. Get our corners set up inside from the jump. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They ran the deep cross. Tyler Lockett gets, I think, his second catch or first catch. It was the 30-yard. And then they run the jet touch pass. And then next thing you know, they're in the end zone. Because the Dolphins' defense was not ready. We had too many guys on the field. Tried a late substitution. Communication was an issue that stood out to me defensively quite a bit in this game. A lot of talking up until the snap of the football. Which communication's good. But the fact that there needed to be that much, and it seemed like on some of these plays, guys weren't ready for the snap because they're talking to each other. DK Metcalf's first catch, I felt, was the same thing. Xavier Howard was not fully in his stance. He was talking at the snap of the ball. So these guys, I think they'll get it figured out, right? I think they'll get it figured out. But... Um, these are the growing pains that come with a rebuild and being the second youngest team in the NFL who's talented but inexperienced and raw. And then conversely, being all of those things and having to play the third hardest schedule in the NFL through four weeks, including two MVP candidates and the greatest head coach of all time who gets to roll out his first brand new offense in 20 years with a full offseason of install. Could you pick a less enviable opening slate for an inexperienced team that had a very restricted offseason than that. I can't. So, the Dolphins are 1-3. and three. We'll talk more about this game, but first, a little message from our friends over at DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now directly to your front door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or your favorite nationwide restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right outside the door. Right now, listeners can get $5 off and zero in delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Locked On. That's $5 off your first order and zero in delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked On. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo or I had a long day at work. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with real healthcare professionals who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, 
all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to set up the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL, and if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. So who's to blame? 31-23, one of three in the red zone, five field goals against Russell. There, there's a lot here that I think if the Dolphins, if you, they, I think if you gave them a mulligan, they'd probably do it a little differently. <laughs> Credit to the Dolphins, though. For a vast majority of the game, their plan worked. Used South Florida Heat, strung together long drives. They just couldn't finish. It got congested in the red zone. And they couldn't finish these drives in the end zone the way that they needed to. Um, so I'll start on offense. I did not think Ryan... I thought it was a Ryan Fitz tragic performance. Well, Fitz magic showed up on Thursday night in primetime. This game was classic Fitz tragic. He threw two picks, and he probably should have thrown three more. <laughs> um... Whether it was was locking in on a guy, not executing his reads. I know the broadcast team at one point had kind of acknowledged that there was something underneath. The Dolphins have done a really nice job, whether it's, you know, they'll, they'll run circus concept, which is a corner seven route and, and something in the flat to the uh, the solo side of the set. Or they'll run vertical stem and, and run Isaiah Ford on, on kind of a little shallow in or or slant route from outside of that to get a little rub. Isaiah Ford's had success against zone-heavy teams before, kind of curling around linebackers. We didn't see a lot of that against Seattle, and I, I kind of just felt like Fitz didn't really work his progress. And it's the same thing that happened, ironically enough, against a, a man defense in New England. Miami made some play call adjustments against New England, and they had more room to work. Uh, but Fitz didn't, he didn't have his best day seeing the field. And Sunday against Seattle was another day. Or if Fitz sees the field better than what he did, Miami probably doesn't kick five field goals and need a quote unquote garbage time touchdown down 16 in the final five minutes to get into the end zone. There were some plays to be made. Fitz didn't see the field well. He took some risks. Everything was tight windows, as it usually is with Fitz. This is a team that took advantage of that in Seattle. They should have had three more picks. So Fitz did not play well. Looking forward to getting the All-22 tomorrow and beginning to chart the game to see some of the specifics of what concepts worked and what meat we may have left on the bone and how to fix it. Defensively, obviously Noah Igbenogany is kind of the guy who's getting everybody's attention today. I thought, generally speaking, Miami defensively played well. Ironically, they, they held Seattle to their lowest point total of the year with 31. Seattle got to 31 thanks in large part to Fitz throwing that 
that kind of backbreaker pick when they were down uh, 24 to 15. They were down nine, and it was kind of like, okay, it's giddy up and go time. And he throws the pick, and it sets Seattle up on a short field. And next thing you know, they're in the end zone again. Defensively, you know, we we got to the the fourth quarter of this football game, and Miami played some ball control. They kept Russell on the sideline. They obviously had the big goal, uh, this big stop in the red zone to intercept Russell Wilson. They did generate some pressure. I thought Emmanuel Ogba played a really good game. He's put together two really good games for Miami now, and that'll be a big development if if Emmanuel can continue. He's winning off the edge. As a pass rusher, he can obviously play down inside in tight alignments. I'd keep an eye on Emmanuel, 91. I thought he played a really good game. Um, Like I said earlier in the show, communication was something that was a bit of a sore spot in general as far as just like everybody had to really work to make sure we were right, and I appreciate that they're communicating, but when you're talking at the snap and you're not ready for the snap, Two of Miami's big plays were bit because of that, not being mentally ready for the snap at the snap. Xavier Howard got vertical. DK Metcalf got over top of him. And then obviously the uh, the touchdown that put him up nine. I definitely think Brian Flores would like some things back from this football game. I don't know why we didn't challenge the, the third down that was ruled the illegal forward pass. Uh, on an early Dolphins possession, that looked to pretty clearly be behind the line of scrimmage. Pretty sure the line of scrimmage was the 31, and Fitz had his toe on the 30 at the release of the ball. Miami kept it. They preferred to keep the timeout, didn't want to risk it, decided to give the ball back to Russ, and that was kind of the theme from Miami. And I don't know if Brian kind of got it, this sense of security in that working through the game, Seattle wasn't scoring touchdowns on every play. And like, obviously the faith in our defense and we could stop them and generate some pressure and create a turnover if we need to. But like, obviously their game plan was centered around time of possession and possessing the football and keeping Russ on the sideline. And they did that well in spurts. So why would you not challenge a third down that extends a drive early in the game? Maybe because it's early in the game. But then you take into account the, the, the kicking, the field goals, the five field goals is an impossibly hard pill to swallow. Impossibly hard. You're playing Russell Wilson, right? The Dolphins kicked, if you omit the possession at the end of the half, after Seattle scored the touchdown to go up, 17 to 9 with three seconds left or whatever it was. The Dolphins kicked field goals on five consecutive possessions. Fourth and three from the 11, fourth and four from the 27, fourth and five from the 25, and fourth and five from the 11 at the end of a 17 play drive. And you kicked field goals in all those scenarios. I'm not gonna quick, I'm not gonna fault you in the, the early in the game for kicking on fourth and eleven. Absolutely. Low percentage play. But if the Dolphins hit on just 50% of fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and five, and fourth and five, including twice from inside the Seattle 15-yard line. 
you're going to walk away with more points. You could have potentially added eight points. Boom, there's the difference. If, but you've got to score touchdowns against elite quarterbacks. And Miami could not. And, and I'm curious how much remorse Brian Flores may have for not challenging and kicking four field goals on fourth and five or less when facing an elite quarterback. Which is oddly uncharacteristic for Brian because Brian has been so aggressive for so much of the season. Including all of last year, playing aggressively, going forward on fourth down. We didn't get any of that from Brian. So I think that it's too early to say it's a trend, right? It's just one game. It's a very small sample size. But I'd like to see Miami kind of get some of their mojo back aggressively and, and coach to win the game. Because that game could have been won. Granted, Ryan Fitzpatrick playing off all day didn't help. It's going to make it exponentially harder to win that football game. But that game was there to have been won. And if you kick field goals on the possession from the 25 and the 27 on 4th and 4 and 4th and 5, but you go forward on 4th and 3 from the 11 and 4th and 5 from the 11, and you get both of those, and you get touchdowns on both those possessions instead of field goals, all of a sudden we're cooking with gas. We got 8 more points. Now it's 28 or 31-31. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and guys, I mean it. These things are delicious. They were delicious even before Built Bar completely revamped their formula and created the world's best protein bar. With 20 grams of protein, under 200 calories, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar, Built Bar can be something for everybody, whether it's a delicious midday snack, a post-workout meal, or something keto-friendly if that's required for your diet. Built Bar is the way to go, and BuiltBar.com has the offer for you to get you into the game with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll save $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. I'll close with this. The Miami Dolphins did not get any favors from the officiating crew in attendance yesterday. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses, oh, the refs cost us the game or anything like that. Like, I, I don't think that's true. I think the Dolphins' execution on both sides infinitely hurt their chances more. Some of the, the conservative approach to the game plan on fourth downs, Ryan Fitzpatrick's poor performance as far as seeing the field. Would Tua, that's a different show. I'm not going to do it today. Not going to do it today. We're not going to talk about two today. <laughs> if Fitz plays like he did in Jacksonville against Seattle, first of all, you probably don't get some of those fourth downs. Those decisions are easier to make. I thought Miami's defense played well enough to win the game. Well enough to win the game, which is really weird. They scored 31 points. Whatever. The Dolphins had the right blueprint. They were in a position. They were then two points midway through the fourth quarter at home against a superior team, just like in Buffalo, right? Four-point lead. Okay, what can they do with it? They fumble it. They fumble the bag. 
They fumbled the bag against Seattle, too. Young team learning how to win. Whatever. I'm fine with it. It's one thing to learn how to win against the New York Jets of the world and the Cincinnati Bengals of the world and the 7-9 Indianapolis Colts of the world. Beating good teams, it comes down to those few late-game plays. Miami's process is good. Their results will follow. The strength of schedule, it's impossible to be any harder than it is now. The next eight games that we play, we do not face a single elite quarterback for the next eight games. And based on the play of everybody through the first month of the season, the Dolphins have played two already. Plus the greatest coach of all time. But back to the referees. I don't know how there's not a defenseless receiver call on targeting or unnecessary roughness on the ball that got checked down. I believe it was Gaskin in the flat where he got cracked in the head. Refs ate their flag. Well, that's convenient. Seattle finished the game with no penalties against them. And we had the whole snafu regarding the measure and the spot on the third down near midfield with a minute left in the game. Was Miami going to get the ball back, go down the field, score, get a two-point conversion, force overtime, and then go on to win the game? I mean, if they go to overtime, if they forced overtime, like, you feel pretty good about your chances because you'd had momentum. You'd have scored 16 unanswered points in the final five minutes. No, they weren't going. That game was not going to break for them at that point anyway. But for that game and for that door to be slammed shut like that, is so freaking lame because if you force fourth down, you put Seattle in a conflict. You say, we think we can get six inches and for them to go for it because if they go for it and you stop them, now you got the ball at midfield, no timeouts, but you got a minute of game clock to work with at midfield. Or Seattle can punt the ball and guarantee you you're at least going to get a possession back. Didn't look like a first down to me. They got a generous spot, first of all. And and granted, they were never going to change the spot. And maybe it was the camera angle. Some people say, oh, well, the camera angle is slightly askew off to the side. When I see Dolphins players getting down on their hands and knees to look at it, it tells me that it was probably a little bit more than just a close camera angle. Those players were convinced it was fourth down. Ref said, nope. Picture, video evidence said, nope. First down, game's over. Let's get out of here. Disappointing way for the game to close. Refs didn't cost the Dolphins the game. I think Russell Wilson continuing to play at a level that's out of his mind. You have to play a complete 60 minutes. You blink, and he's going to make you pay. Igbenogany blinked several times, including the end-of-half possession in the first half. I have no idea. Can't explain it. We're playing deep third coverage and we're jumping down on a dig route when you got a vertical stem outside that's pushing up the field. Rookie mistake. Can't make those against Russ Wilson. That's the difference between playing Gardner Minshew and Russell Wilson, right? Because Igbo did the same thing last week in week three. So, we'll carry some enthusiasm throughout the week. The process is good for the Dolphins. If you're going to sit here and suggest that Brian Flores needs to go, Chris Green needs to go, and he needs to reset, 
Don't be a part of the problem. Please. This feels familiar. I get it. Because as a lifelong Dolphins fan, how many times has there been hype about this team, buzz about this team, and they come out and they kind of fall flat early and we say, oh, here we go again, another 7-9. I understand why there's frustration. And the players are frustrated, as they rightfully should be frustrated. Don't remember who it was. I think it was Joe Shad. He said, this team feels like they're better than 1-3. and three. So do I. They should be frustrated. They should be pissed. But now how do you choose to channel that? That's up to you. That's up to the team. How do they choose to channel this frustration? For me, I see a vulnerable San Francisco team. They've been without their starting quarterback for the last two weeks. They just lost an ugly game from an East Coast team coming west to play. Philadelphia, who's been abysmal this year. I can comfortably say Philadelphia is a worse team than, than Miami based on their offensive line, even based on their quarterback play. Carson Wentz has been terrible this year based on their receivers, based on their defense. Philadelphia is a worse football team than Miami by far right now, even though the record says they're 1-2-1, and one. whatever. Okay. And Philadelphia went into San Francisco and beat San Francisco. I'm hoping that the frustration that the Dolphins have motivates them to bring their A game into Week 5. It's a winnable game, and most importantly, against a non-elite quarterback. If we get to the end of the year and we say, wow, the Dolphins did really well against all the teams that they played that didn't have an elite quarterback, we're going to be in good shape because they're elite for a reason. There's not a lot of them. Fins up. Keep it locked in. Right here on Locked on Dolphins, hit subscribe. Power to the pod tomorrow. You have questions, I'd love to hear them. You have topics, I'd love to hear them. You can leave a review of the show, five stars, or you can tweet at me, locked on fins with a PH, or at grinding the tape with the hashtag power of the pot. Thanks as always for listening, guys.